This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. Today, we are actually finishing our series called Freedom. And I was thinking about this, uh, this thought of freedom, especially when you think of it in terms of context of prisoners. There's this phenomenon that exists um, among prisoners who have been incarcerated for a very, very long time, that when they are released from prison, uh, it's really difficult for them to live on the outside. They're kind of used to the prison. They're used to the rules of prison. And so when they're released, it's scary. It's uncomfortable for them. The technical term for this is called institutional syndrome or institutionalization. There's this movie, one of my favorite movies, called Shawshank Redemption. It's a movie that takes place primarily within the walls, the four walls of this prison called Shawshank. And there's a character in this movie by the name of Red. Red is played by Morgan Freeman, one of my favorite actors in the world. I love Morgan Freeman. In fact, I'm going to quote something that he says in the movie, and I wish I could have that Morgan Freeman voice, you know. But um, I can't, so I'm not going to try. Uh, but anyway, he, he's explained to these other prisoners what institutionalization looks like, what it is, how it plays itself out. This is what he says to them. I'm telling you, these walls are funny. First, you hate them. So when you first come into prison, you hate, the, you hate these walls. And then you get used to them. After a while, you're kind of used to the walls. And time passes and you get, so you depend on them. And this is exactly what it is. Later on in the movie, Morgan Freeman is released from prison. He's paroled. And he goes to this town, he gets a job at a grocery store, but he just can't break the habit of the rules of prison. So he's constantly asking the boss, hey, can I go to the bathroom? Can I go to the bathroom? Finally, the boss says, hey, listen, stop asking. Just go and come back quickly. He's so uncomfortable on the outside. He's so challenged living on the outside, learning to not live in prison, that he actually contemplates committing a crime so he can go be put, be put back in prison because that's what he's used to. He's not used to not living in prison. And I think that that's a challenge for many of us Christians as well, particularly for these Galatians that the Apostle Paul is speaking to, to learn how not to live in prison, to not just be set free, but to learn how to live free. That's really the biggest challenge. Jesus didn't die for us so that we can then go right back to prison. In fact, the theme of Galatians is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, and this is what it says. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. So the Apostle Paul here is making a point that we have been set free, but there's a possibility that we can, after we've been set free, that we cannot be free, right? Make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again. Don't get shackled again. Don't get put back in prison. Don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, it's not about trying harder. It's about learning and discovering that God has done something for us. His love has been poured out in us in such a powerful way and that we simply are responding to that love. We're not trying harder. We're not trying to be good enough. We're simply just responding to the love of Christ. Tim Keller, he's a pastor in New York City and a, an author, a prolific author, has many books. Um, he kind of explains the differences between religion and the gospel. He talks about religion as... Um, and it's kind of a wordplay here. I obey, this is religion, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. Like if you obey, then you will be accepted. But the gospel is, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. 
Like I, I, I recognize God's love in my life in such a powerful way that it just makes me want to follow him. I've been loved and been made right with Christ in such a powerful way that it, it's, it's the motivation that I have to live a holy life, a life, a holy and righteous life. So as I wrap up this series, I think it's really important that we talk about freedom from trying to be good enough. Freedom from trying to work hard enough. Because too often that's where we're stuck, right? For those of you who have grown up in religion, this is something that you're familiar with. You understand it's a difficult mindset to break. Because you constantly heard the message over and over again. You heard the message. You need to put a little bit more effort and you need to try harder. Week after week, that was a theme. You'd go to church week after week, and, you, and this is essentially what you were hearing. Thanks for playing. Try harder next week. And so over time, you just get exhausted. You get tired. You never feel like you're ever going to be good enough. So Paul tells us in, the, in Galatians that the gospel sets us free, that the gospel has set us free, and that we are bound to live free. It sets us free from this idea of trying harder. Paul says to these new believers, listen, a holy life, Becoming what God has called you to become is not about trying harder. It's actually about relying on the Holy Spirit. If I could say it this way, living the Christian life is not about trying. It's about relying. I want to say that again because I think that's a memorable phrase. Living the Christian life is not about trying. It's about relying. Here's how Paul writes about it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. He says, You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now, are you trying to make it complete by your own power? Like you started in the Spirit, now you're trying to make it complete by your own power, and then he says, that's foolish. That's foolish. Why are you doing that? The NIV puts it this way. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal? Are you now trying to become righteous? Are you now trying to have a, a right standing with God with by human effort? Really? Is that what you're trying to do? You have the power of the Holy Spirit available to you, and yet... You keep going back to this idea of trying harder, of working harder so you can be good enough. This is the difference between Christianity or the gospel and religion. It's the difference between self-empowered or being spirit-empowered. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. I have here a power strip, and um, all of us know what a power strip is for. A power strip is to be able to plug devices in. It's very useful in an office, for example, like you can plug your computer here and a printer there and a phone charger there, and that's what I would probably use it for. Maybe some other device, a coffee maker could go there. And then we have this other end, and, you know, I, I have this, and I, it you know, kind of looks like these, these outlets here. I have it, and I have to plug it in. I look around, and I, I, don't see, I don't see an outlet, so, oh, wait a minute, I've got an extra one right here. And so I plug it in there, and there, good, I'm, I'm all set, right? And oftentimes, you might look at this, you might think, this is ridiculous, Rich, what are you talking about? That doesn't, that's not how it works, but so often, this is the picture of religion. That's why it doesn't work, because we're trying so hard to find power from within. We're trying so hard to, to discover how to live this Christian life by our own strength, by our own efforts, and trying harder. And for a lot of you, this explains why you're so frustrated with your Christian experience or with religion. You want to be a certain way. You want to live a certain way, but it seems like it's such a struggle and you don't understand why. You want to be more patient. You want to be more loving. You want to be more gentle, more self-controlled. I mean, you're determined. You're determined. That's what you want to do, right? 
You wake up in the morning, you say, I'm gonna do this, but then this is what happens. Nothing, nothing happens, there's no power. It's all just an effort that's not going anywhere. You're trying to find power from within to change, to do things differently, to talk differently to the people that you're in, life, in your life. And today, you, you, you're, you're not going to get angry, you know? You're not going to be lustful today. You're not going to, you're, you're going to be self-controlled. You're not going to be selfish. You're determined, but it doesn't work. Listen, it's not about trying harder. It's not about trying harder. It's about learning to rely on a different power source. It's about learning to rely on the Holy Spirit. And this is really what Paul is trying to communicate in Galatians about what it means to be free. It's learning to rely on the Holy Spirit. I, I kind of wrote down a few ways that we tend to, you know, ways in which I know that I'm slipping into this try harder approach to life, right? The first thing is that if I start growing frustrated, right? Like, um, if I'm trying harder, I'm just, I begin to grow frustrated. I begin to grow frustrated. Imagine, for example, like there was a, a marathon coming up this weekend, right? And I know, man, running a marathon, that's a badge of honor, right? If you complete a marathon, my wife has run a marathon. She's run several half marathons. You know, running a marathon is really a badge of honor. And I find out there's one coming up on this weekend. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to run that marathon. Now, the truth is I would never want to run a marathon. You can ask my wife. When she was training for her marathons, she would ask me to ride my bike alongside her in her training, and I didn't even want to do that. So, um, so, but here's the deal. If I said to myself, this coming weekend there's a marathon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to run that marathon, you would laugh at me. Even I don't care how determined I was, because self-determination alone is just not enough. You would have to have months of training before you can run the marathon. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to do something that you are not capable of doing. And this is really the problem with the law. This is the problem with religion. You see, the law created a standard that we could never meet. It doesn't matter how hard you tried, you would never, ever be good enough. That's what the law did. And it's frustrating. And so here's the difference between religion and Christianity. See, religion is frustrating because this is what it does. Religion emphasizes the rules makes you feel guilty about breaking them, and leaves you powerless to do anything about it. That's religion. And some of you understand that. There were rules that you had to follow. You tried to follow rules, but you broke the rules. And then after you broke the rules, you felt this guilt. And this guilt, you didn't know what to do with this guilt. There was nothing you can do with this guilt. But Christianity is different. Christianity emphasizes relationship. That's the primary. It's a relationship. It extends grace for all your rule-breaking, so you're in this relationship, you're, you're a son, you're a daughter to the father, and that father extends grace for all your rule-breaking, and then he gives you the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. That's Christianity. So I have a relationship with my heavenly father who loves me, and when I fall, he reaches down and rescues me, extends grace towards me. That love and that grace that he's extending toward me just prompts me to want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't do those things anymore. That's really what, what Christianity is all about. It's not about your efforts. It's learning to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Another way I know that I'm in this try, hard, try harder kind of model is I feel frustrated. It's not just frustrating. It's not just, I mean, I feel exhausted. It's not just frustrating to try harder and harder. It's also tiring. Jesus was constantly challenging the, the religious leaders with this. In fact, in Matthew 23, he talks about how they have they crushed the people with heavy loads. 
It was just tiring to follow the law. Maybe this describes your church experience and the message you heard in church. All right? Maybe you went to church and, and you heard this message that God loves you and you decided to follow Jesus. You decided to give your life to Jesus Christ. And so you gave your life to Jesus and somebody comes along and says, okay, now that you're a Christian, great, you're a Christian. Now here are all the things that you need to do. And so you walk out of church with this heavy burden. But you know what? You're determined because you really want to follow Jesus. You, you want that love of Jesus in your life. And so you had this heavy burden and you're determined. You're going to try harder. You're going to try harder. You're going to work it until it doesn't work anymore. And then you're frustrated and then you're exhausted And then you say, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. See, Jesus came to set us free from that. He came to set us free from that. In fact, in Matthew 11, he talks about this. That if you're tired or weary, that we should come to him. Right? Come to him. He says he'll teach us how to do it. He'll teach us the unforced rhythms of grace. That that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's what Jesus does. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so if you're trying harder, oftentimes you feel exhausted. Another thing that happens inevitably when you're trying harder is that you act fake. Like you're not getting the job done, right? You're trying hard, you're falling short, but you still want to impress people around you, right? You still want people around you looking, you say, wow, you're great. So what happens is we start acting. Maybe initially it's, it's just subtle. We don't do it off a lot, but over time we start doing it more and more and more. And before long, long you're just acting. Get so much to this point, so much so that you get to the point where you, where you convince yourself that this is really who you are. You're just an actor. And some of you understand that. You know what it's like to have a persona, persona at home. And then when you're in the church circles with your religious circles, you're a completely different per- person. It's just an act. Another thing that we end up doing is that when we try harder is that we end up conceited or we end up defeated. We end up conceited or we're defeated. If it's about trying harder, then I'm going to measure myself against other people. I'm going to measure my progress in my faith against how other people are doing. And I'm either going to end up conceited, that is self-righteous, judgmental, better than other people, or I'm going to end up defeated because I'm just not capable of living up to those standards. I'm a loser. And so what's the point of trying? So if it's not about trying harder, if it's not really about trying harder, then how do we live a holy life, the kind of holy life that the Bible talks to us about to live? How do we do that? Well, the Apostle Paul really wants to make that point here in Galatians. First, we need to understand, this is what Paul is getting at, that we need to understand the reality of our sinful nature. These Galatians, they needed to understand that they had to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, but but he wants them to know that there's a war happening. There's a war within themselves between their sinful nature and the power of the Holy Spirit. And if they are going to live out their, in their, if they're going to live their life out in their own strength, that they're going to fail always. The sinful nature will always, always win. I mean, it's one of those things. If you're going to try to beat your sinful nature by human effort, by trying harder, by self determination, that's a cage match that that only the Holy Spirit can win. And so, if you try to do it in your own strength, I guarantee you're going to tap out every single time. So in Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul basically gives us a list of these acts of the sinful nature. It's not an exhaustive list. It's kind of like he's just rattling off some examples of of what what the sinful nature looks like. 
and that if we rely on our own strength, that these are the things that are going to happen in our life. And this is the list that he gives. He says sexual immorality, that is basically sexual activity outside of marriage, lust, fighting, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness. Paul's basically saying that if you try to rely on your own strength and not rely on the Holy Spirit, then then these things are going to surface. That's what's going to come into your life. This is the stuff that you will see in your life. And so you might say to yourself, well, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to have outbursts of anger. Well, you'll be that way if you're relying on your own strength. If you're trying harder and not relying on the Holy Spirit, that's what will happen. Listen, it's not about trying harder. It's about relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul kind of talks about this in verse 16. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. So it, let me just rephrase it. Paul says, if you, do you want freedom? Do you want freedom? Then let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, here's the point, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. Do you feel that war inside of you? I know I do. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out the good intentions, these good intentions that you have. See, I know you have good intentions. I know I have good intentions. I want to be loving and kind and gentle. But unless we're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be in this constant cycle of frustration and failure because we don't have what it takes to defeat the sinful nature in our own lives. And if we did, if we had the power to defeat the sinful nature in our own lives, then the death of Jesus would not even be necessary, right? So the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit wants to do, he wants to display his power in our lives. He wants to show himself, but he knows that he's got competition, that there's this war going on between the sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. So the question becomes, am I staying connected to the Holy Spirit, right? Am I relying on the power of the Holy Spirit? Am I feeding the sinful nature or am I feeding my spiritual nature? Am I feeding the Holy Spirit in my life, right? So as we begin to feed the Spirit, this is what happens. It begins to defeat the sinful nature, and now we begin to see fruit in our life. And this is what Paul is talking about in Galatians 5, verse 22. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Paul says, this is the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Now, a lot of us hear this, we hear joy and peace, and immediately our minds go to this. This is the problem with, with religion because we've been so indoctrinated. We hear love, joy, peace, and our mind goes, man, those are things I need to work on. I need to try harder to have love, joy, peace, and all those things in my life, right? In fact, there's all kinds of self-help books out there that will tell us how we can have more peace, that will tell us how we can have more joy, that will tell us how we can have more love. They'll tell us all these things, how we can have more patience, right? But if you're trying to do that in your own efforts, you will end up frustrated, you will end up tired. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit grows fruit in us. And it's fruit, by the way. Fruit doesn't happen overnight. You don't plant an, a, an apple seed and then see an apple next morning, right? It takes time. It doesn't happen or it's gradual. So it's learning how to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit that grows in us. In Galatians 3.2, Paul reminds us that this power that we have, this Holy Spirit power that we have, is actually a gift from God. 
In Galatians 3, 2, he says, let me ask you this, this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? I mean, did you earn it? Right? Did, you, did you rack up enough credit with your religious life that you traded it in for a brand new Holy Spirit? Is that what you did? Of course not, he says. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So again, it's not something that you've done. It's something that was done for you, and you're simply just receiving it. You didn't earn it. Ephesians 1.13, Paul tells us, when you believed in Christ... He identified you as his own. You are his son. You are his daughter by giving you the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is given to every believer. Holy Spirit was given to you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has been given to you. But here's our problem. It seems like Paul was constantly having to remind these believers that they have this resource. They have this power. But it's like they've received it once and then they put it under the bed and they never unwrap the gift. Listen, this power is available to us, and we need to be filled with this power. In fact, this is what Paul gets gets at in verse 25 of Galatians. He says, Galatians 5, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I love this image here. It's this idea of walking with the Spirit, right? It's this image of step-by-step leaning into the Holy Spirit, step-by-step whispering a prayer, Holy Spirit, I need you today. Holy Spirit, I need you as I walk into work today. Holy Spirit, I need you as I have a conversation with my son today. Holy Spirit, I need you as I have a conversation with my wife today. It's a step-in-step walking with the Holy Spirit. So the question is, are you being filled with the Holy Spirit? Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul helps us with this. He says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Some of you might even know that. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul makes this a, a kind of this or that proposition. Right? It's either this or it's that. And he uses the word wine here, but you know, there could, that could be a lot of other things, right? It could be material possessions. It could be being a workaholic. It could be pornography. It could be, you could put any number of words, replace wine with any number of words. It'll ruin your life if that's what you fill your life with. And Paul says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's very important for us to understand the verb tense. When he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, that's a very important verb tense because it's in the present passive imperative form. Meaning, present means that it's continuous. It's a continuous action. It's ongoing. It's not that this, this Holy Spirit came into your life 25 years ago and that was it. No, it's an everyday action. It's continuous. I think a lot of people think that, well, I just go to church on Sundays. That's when I get filled up. And then it kind of, over the course of the week, it just depletes. And then you come back on Sunday and you get filled back up again and then it depletes. And, it, and, and that's the cycle that we live in. But this is not what Paul's talking about. When he says be filled, he's saying every single day. In fact, not just every single day, every single moment of the day, seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's also passive, meaning that it's not something that you do. It's being done to you. It's being done for you, right? It's not that you're striving after it. It's that you are receiving it. That's the idea. So last couple of weeks, I've used this posture in church where I said, We've ended our services by putting our hands out like this and saying, Father, we are surrendering. We need you. We're people who need you. We're putting our hands out because we need you. And that's this posture of passive posture. 
of being filled is I'm putting my hands out and say, God, I need you to fill me. And I'm putting myself in a position to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the idea of this, this, this verb, be filled. And then it's also imperative, which means that it's not optional. It's not optional. You're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit any other way. There's only one way to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're always going to be resting against a sinful nature if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if you don't want to, if you want to truly be free, this is an imperative. It's not optional. See, religion will teach us that you can have this power in your own effort. That you can try harder, you can work harder, you can have this. But it's like having a really nice car. Like imagine you have a Mercedes S-Class, right? But there's no gas in the car. And so you're sitting on the parking lot in your brand new Mercedes S-Class vehicle, beautiful car. There's no gas. People walk by and they see you sitting in that car. Man, you look impressive. And some people walk by and it's like, wow, who's that guy? You know, is he single? You know, that, I mean, you, you look impressive, but you're, but you're not going anywhere because there's no gas in the car. And too often, that's what it looks like in our faith, right? That you look impressive to others, but if you look close, you, close enough, you'll realize, man... There's nothing there. There's no movement. And I know that there are some of you right now that you've been running on empty. Your gas tank is empty. You've been working hard. You're frustrated. You've been trying. Maybe you're even playing an act right now. But here's what you need to know. You might, people might be impressed with you. You might look good on the outside, but eventually that's going to catch up to you. So can I make a point this week? Can we make it a point this week to... To seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What if each one of us got up every single day this week and we said, Father, I want to live today filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, will you teach me and will you fill me with your Holy Spirit today? What if we did that? I guess what I'm asking you to do today is to plug into a different power source. Not one that's circular, it's all about you but a totally different power source, the Holy Spirit. See, this power source, it will never run dry. It knows exactly what you need when you need it, right? This power source will help you when you're struggling with your fleshly desires, when you're struggling with your, the challenges in life or, or, or lust or, or self-control or anger. It's going to help you if, you if you rely on the Holy Spirit, And so this week, will you get down on your knees as I get down on my knees and say, Father, will you fill me today? Will you fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit? That's really the challenge I want to lay before you today. Cedar Rapids, my prayer is that you will will be filled with the Spirit, that you'll be set free from trying harder, from trying to work out your faith, but instead, right there where you're meeting in the double tree, that the Holy Spirit will come in there and flood your hearts and flood your souls. And every single day of, of this week, you'll be walking in the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. If that's how you live, you will set Cedar Rapids on fire. We're going to pass this on to Jairus now. Jairus is going to close the service. And here in Corville, can I just tell you, I really miss you. I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm sorry that I'm not there with you. I want to pray for you as Pastor Wayne comes to to close the service out. Let us pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for the power of your spirit. Father, we know that there's a war happening inside of us. We know, Father, that there's a sinful nature that's constantly tugging at our hearts. And there are individuals right now in this room, Lord, that are struggling with their sinful nature. 
And for years, they've been trying to do it on their own. They've been trying to rely on their own strength to somehow overcome this sinful nature. But Father, what you're calling us to do today is to simply be filled with your spirit, to rely on the, on the power of the Holy Spirit, to plug into a different source. God, you want to set us free from trying harder. So right now, Father, will you set us free? 